Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into a special edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad joined by Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik with some news that many of you are probably already aware of, and that is that Jamar Chase will not be on the chase at least for the next four to six weeks. ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting that he is dealing with a hip injury that is expected to sideline him for that span of time. That could also send him to the injured reserve. And just jumping into it, Andrew, I know you broke a report on this, which people can read at cleveland.com slash Bengals. I mean, when you see that, you think of that. I mean, how big is that for Cincinnati? Because obviously those are some very, very big shoes to fill. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's I, when I was writing the you know story, just kind of like, hey, you know, here's what they're going to be missing. Here's what they're losing. It felt a little like Moneyball. Like if you've ever seen that movie where they lost, uh, where they lost Giambi and you lose Damon because it's like you're losing 47 catches, you're losing 600 yards, you're losing six touchdowns, and you're not gonna get that in a one for one replacement. Like Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, you're not gonna get the 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 production to match Jamar, and then you're not gonna get somebody else to match that production. So this is obviously a significant blow to, to the Bengals offense. Um, they were just starting to kind of round into form too. Um, I think it was pretty clear that their last two weeks were their best two weeks offensively. Um, now you've got to rely on a couple different guys. You've got to rely on Mike Thomas. You've got to rely on Stanley Morgan Jr. You've got to rely on Trent Taylor. Uh, you've got to rely on those three to kind of step up and, and, you know, play the wide receiver position well if you don't go outside the organization because right now it's Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and then Thomas, Morgan, and Taylor probably in that order. And after, like, those guys just have not really produced this year. I mean, after – and it's nothing against them. It's just the top three has been so loaded. I mean, Mike Thomas has two catches for 38 yards. Like, that's that's the kind of guy that you're leaning into here. So – it's it's a really, really tough blow for an offense that, like I said, was kind of rounding into form. And now you're going to have to go until at least, at the very least, you're going to have to go till that game after Thanksgiving in Nashville against the Titans without. So, I mean, if there was a time to be missing a guy like that, this is it. But, I, I mean, again, it, it's really, really not good news. And, it I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see how they try to mitigate this. And Michael, just bouncing off of that, you know, obviously this is a big blow. This is not helpful at all for the Bengals. But uh, to your thoughts, just how significant is it to kind of add to what Andrew was saying? Well, I think it's significant in that you, you're you losing, you know, 
what your second best player, maybe third best, if depending on where you rank, maybe Trey Hendrickson. You know, I think Burrow's obviously the most important player on your roster. But at the same time, I mean, if you look at the three games, I mean, what you got Browns coming up, uh, Panthers after that, uh, then the bye, which I think I got it right now. Um, you know, if they don't go the injured reserve route, um, which has not been kind of confirmed or denied yet. You know, obviously we'll talk to uh, Coach Zach Taylor tomorrow. Like if they think he's going to heal uh, quicker, you know, you could, you know, hope it's three weeks instead of four and get him back early. You know, it's not really the end of the world in terms of the teams you're going to be facing. I mean, Carolina is probably the worst team in the NFL. Is, is there a debate there? Um, the Browns are, are yeah. down there. Like, I mean, you know, you want him to be healthy, but uh, at the same time, if you're going to lose him for a stretch, this was probably the stretch that you can kind of handle. And I think this is the position they can handle. They, they, they're, they're, they're deep because they've got, you know, a, a player that I think, would, you know, is going to probably be a number one receiver at some point in his career here coming up soon. You've got Tyler Boyd, who is an easy uh, slot in, I think, at the number two spot. And, yeah, you need production from those other guys, but you also have – I mean, a really good offense around all those people. I mean, Joe Mixon um, is, is you know, obviously a good running back that can get production in the passing game as well. Um, and, and Hayden Hurst uh, as a tight end that, that I think they really like and that you can throw the ball to and be confident that he's going to do things. So, you know, I, I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean, I, I think if this was like a season-long injury, yeah, I think you sort of um, can sort of, you know, start worrying and, and planning ahead. But, I mean, this is a team with only – I think $3.3 million in cap room. You're not going to get right. somebody involved this week. I mean, it's already too late in the week. They, I mean, they do have a Monday game, but, I mean, you're only practicing uh, tomorrow and Friday, really. On Friday is going to be, you know, like a walkthrough. You know, you're, tomorrow you're not gonna and Saturday. Somebody, uh, yeah, you're not going to bring somebody in. Um, and so, I mean, you know, maybe you sign, try to catch a flyer on somebody for, for next week, but even still, I just sort of – I think they'll preach patience that, you know, the trading dines – Trading deadline's really coming up quickly too, but with it only being four to six weeks, and if you can get him back earlier, um, I don't know that they sort of panic and, ha- and have to do that. Yeah, I think yeah. right now what you do is you play the Cleveland game, like you said, because you just don't you don't have enough time, and then you play the Panther game, and you might win those games ugly. Like you might win those games and say, okay, we we need to bring somebody in. Maybe you get more news about Jamar, whatever it is. I don't know. Because, you know, the original timeline as reported by Adam Schefter was four to six weeks. Four weeks from today is Thanksgiving Day. Oh my God, time is flying. Um wow. so it's Thanksgiving Day is is four weeks from today. And that game on Sunday is Sunday, November twenty seventh at the Titans. To me, the goal for Jamar and the Bengals should be uh, the following week you host the Chiefs. That would be a, a, like a really big game to get him back for um, because, you know, like you, you mentioned the schedule here, you're at Cleveland, home against Carolina. You have a bye week, which, I mean, very fortunate for them that they have a bye week in the middle of this, at Pittsburgh, at Tennessee. If he misses those five games – you can live with that because even three and two gets you to seven and five going into that chief game at home. Then you got the Browns the following week. The Browns are going to have Deshaun Watson for that second game. So to me, I mean, look, you got to make sure Jamar Chase is a hundred percent healthy here because as we've talked about on this podcast before, their stretch run is murder. You know, you play the chiefs, the Browns at Tampa Bay at new England home against Buffalo home against Baltimore. That's really, really tough. So you've it's got miserable. To, 
yeah, you've got to get Jamar. You've got to get Jamar healthy for that run. Um, you know, it, it, it might hurt, but if you got to sit him for an extra week against Kansas City or sit him for an extra week against Cleveland, you've got to do that because you need him down the stretch because this is a team that still has playoff aspirations, still has Super Bowl aspirations. Like, you've got to get him to a level where he can contribute and not just kind of be a shell of himself. So, you know, to me, I think if you're if you're listening at home saying, you know, what would be a good day to get him back? I think the Chiefs game at home would be number one, um, but certainly Sunday, December 11th against the Browns. Um, that feels like two really, two just, two days just kind of going by the timeline of events here that you could really get him back. And not only that, you could really use him for. So like you said, we'll, we'll know more when we talk to, when we talk to people at the facility on Friday and Saturday. Um, but yeah, th- that's kind of what we're working with here in terms of a timeline. We will well, certainly go the ahead. The line Michael. hasn't moved, so I mean, I think that says something, right? Um, <laughs> the Vegas knows, <laughs> and it hasn't moved. Vegas so, always knows. Look, I, I don't think that you know. Like I said, I just don't, I don't know that he. You know, you said three and two during that stretch, but I mean, you think without Chase, they can't beat the murderer's row of well uh, Cleveland, Carolina and Pittsburgh. Well, so that was, so I guess that was my point. Like if you win, like if you win, like it's like we, we've talked about before on this podcast, like it's the NFL. Like if you, if you go three and two in that stretch, okay. Like, you know, you got Cleveland, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Kansas city, five games, three and two, that feels reasonable. Like Kansas city's a loss. And then you go three and one against Cleveland, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Tennessee. I, that feels reasonable. Um, so to me, I, I, I like I kind of look at that as um, you know as three and two is like that would be a realistic goal to shoot for. I, I think the other thing too is if you go four and one or even five and zero oh in that stretch, like if they just start rattling off wins like crazy, I think that buys you a little bit of time to make sure that he's a hundred percent because. You know, if Jamar says he can go and he's at 75%, I don't I don't know whatever percentage, and you're sitting at, you know, six and seven or whatever your record is going to be, that's that's hard to keep him out of the lineup at that point. If you can reel off some wins here, it allows you, I think, a little bit more breathing room. Yeah, and to add to sort of the significance of the injury, like you said, um, looking at NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, he said that rest and rehab will likely be the chase for surgery. No, or, uh, for Chase without surgery, no surgery, but it seems like it's going to be a lot of rest and rehab ahead. Uh, and to give a little timeline, too, so two weeks ago, Bengals play the Saints in Chase's homecoming, ironically. And it looked like, if I remember, on the first touchdown of two touchdowns he caught, he got up a little bit awkwardly before he did his greedy celebration, but it looked like he slowly got up. That could be the play where it seems like it started to mess with his hip. He was limited in practice the week leading into the Falcons game. Um, I think he missed one or two days in practice, but he practiced that Friday before the weekend. He plays against Atlanta Sunday. He goes to the locker room before halftime, and it looked like it was that same hip spot on his hip where he got up slowly against the Saints, but then he comes back, plays just about every snap in the second half. But where I think the sort of ominousness, if you want to call it that, where it began was um, – you know, he was dated. Well, first of all, he, he he didn't say anything about it after the game Sunday. He talked to reporters, looked fine, seemed fine. And then you have the two days off because the team didn't practice Tuesday or Wednesday. They met Wednesday but didn't practice. Then Thursday, you don't see him in the locker room. 
He's not a participant in practice, and you don't even see him on the field. Now, I know in the case of Jonah Williams, for example, Zach Taylor said he could practice and play the next week uh, against the Saints, and he did, and he was fine. But with Jamar Chase, it just seemed common. Ominous that he went from being at least fine enough uh, Sunday to just not even showing up at all. So I had a sense that something was up when the injury report came out saying he didn't practice. I didn't know if it would be that bad to where he missed four to six weeks, but I had a feeling that, okay, you hurt yourself against the Saints, you go to the locker room at halftime against the Falcons. Again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an orthopedic surgeon, but it just seemed like something had to go wrong for him not to even walk around with food in his hands in the locker room like most of the players have. So, yeah, it was a little weird. I can't say I'm shocked, but again, it doesn't sound like it's very severe according to the reports, and we'll obviously find out more when we talk to Coach Taylor tomorrow about how severe it is and exactly what it is with his hip that's the problem. The, the So the – the yeah, Muhammad, I disagree with you that, like, the, I mean, I was surprised. Um, and the thing that, I like, I want to try to do as, like, you know, as, as you kind of go through a season – is you can't always take coaches at their word whenever they talk about injuries. Um, instead, you kind of got to read between the lines a little bit. Um, but I, Zach is pretty forthcoming about injuries. Like if, if something's going to be serious or something's going to be a week-to-week thing, like when it seems like he'll tell you he won't go into super specifics, but he'll say, yeah, don't, you know, don't anticipate this or something like that. And not only did he say Jamar was just dealing with soreness today. Well, I have the Andrew. I have the. Yeah, yeah. Post. Go, yeah. Go ahead and read that. So here, here's what the uh, question was: How did Jamar come out of the game on Sunday with the hip injury? And here's Zach Taylor. I think just sore, so we'll see. We'll take it day to day with all these guys that came out of the game, meaning that were injured and, and couldn't play. Trey Hendrickson falls in that category as well. The guys we are getting back now are Jeff Gunter. We'll be able to do some practice this week, and Logan, meaning Logan Wilson. So you yeah, decide so for yourself if, where where the wiggle room was in, in that quote, because uh, I, I, I agree with you. I was really surprised, I guess, yeah. by the injury, just because I would have thought Zach would have left himself a little more room to say, like, "Well, I was vague." He's still being evaluated, or something like that, right? Because he said day to day, and I think just sore. I mean, I, he did say we'll see. That's to me not saying he's going to be out a third of the season or whatever it was. Well, so. and, and and to more than just you know, like it, it's one thing to read that quote, like as you just did. And I'm glad you did, but to like maybe I misread this when he said it. The way that he said it was very calm. Like I didn't. Sometimes you can tell, like you know, if a coach because well, you're like, choosing was, your words carefully and how to like sort of right, like when the truth and sort of do it that way. But he didn't see. He said, "I thought it was genuine too," because that's why. Yeah, when he was just like, "It's day to day," and he's you know, now do we say Trey Hendrickson is more injured than we originally thought? Because that's I, what he's, yeah, you know, it's like I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. He said they're in the same category, and and I get that they were going to do more. T- you know, the 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 response will be i would imagine that more testing came out and he needed more time but if that's the case i think he should have i mean look coaches lie and coaches don't tell the truth but like you said zach taylor has been pretty straight up in the time we've been here and i think it's a question i'll ask some of the beat reporters tomorrow in terms of like in his three years has he ever done that before because i mean we don't have that history with sort of at every press right. conference like some of the the guys on the beat do 
Um, and so it's hard to say, but that, he has not done that in the first, what, seven weeks of the season yeah. so far? And, and like the, the, like the example that I was thinking of was like when, when Drew Sample went down in Dallas, there's a little bit of somberness when a player is going to be out for a little bit. Like, like we met, like we had this with Logan Wilson when he got hurt. Like, I was like, ah, I don't know. And he genuinely didn't know. And then he comes in and he gets asked about it and he's like, oh, you know, I'm really optimistic. And like, not only that he says he's optimistic, you can hear the, you can hear the pep as I move up and down on our, on our, on our call here, on our video call that nobody can see. <laughs> um, like there's this pep Nothing in his step when he's optimistic, but when a player is going to be, I, it, sometimes you can just tell by the way something is said. And I didn't get that vibe. So this came as a surprise well, to me because there was a Reddit to contrast, thread- to, to contrast what you're saying. Here's what he said on uh, September 26th about DJ reader. When he was asked any update on reader, not yet still gathering more information. Do you expect him to play? I'm not going to say anything until we sort all that out. Right. And yeah, so, like, exactly. That's to me. And I mean, I know that tips your hand, right? But this was going to get out in a matter of a day anyway, right? Like, yeah. Um, so I, I, I guess I don't get it. I, I mean, that's surprising to me too, just because like, I mean, guys not being in a locker room. I mean, look, I haven't seen Eli Apple in the locker room for, for obviously good reason, but I mean, guys come and go. Jamar Chase usually doesn't like speaking on, the day after a game because he's spoken after the game. Um, and, and, you know, guys look, you know, Trey Hendrickson hasn't been around this week. He's one, he's got a kept a low profile guys do are able to do that. Cause we're not allowed in the locker room right as it opens. So they can leave and you don't see them. I don't think that there's anything, there's anything sort of like tipping of the cap with that, to be honest. Like I think it was a surprise just because of how Zach sort of handled it. And like you said, he is a very sort of, I mean, refreshingly open and honest, and to a point, you know, for for an NFL head coach, I guess I should say, um, you, you know, and, and he has that been been that way, you know, while we have been on the beat, and that's yeah, what others uh, throughout his tenure as well, right? That, that's not sort of a new thing for him. And the weird thing to me today was I remember, um, you know, I tweeted out the, um, you know, I tweeted out the news like, hey, um, you know, blah blah blah, you know, Jamar won't practice today, but, and and I literally said in my tweet, but Taylor didn't sound concerned. And then some, somebody who actually doesn't follow me on Twitter responded and said, there's a rumor he's out for the season and the team's announcing it later today. And I was like, well, the team has not, we should say the team, the team has not confirmed anything. Right. Um, but the, so I saw the, like, I saw that and I was like, what in the world is this person talking about? There was some fantasy football thread on Reddit that was like, hey, uh, Jamar Chase, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows an orthopedic surgeon in the area, and he told me that Jamar told him that Jamar's out for the year. And it just sounded so convoluted, not only because of what we had just talked to, who we had just talked to, what we had just talked about. You're sitting there and you're like, there's no way any of this is valid. So, like, it started on the internet earlier today. There was, like, this random this random rumor that pops up. And obviously you don't want to give credence to like some random Reddit rumor because well, that was still time, wrong. It could have been just somebody shooting their ju- shot and then they end up right, right or not and really it, right. Cause it's only well, we'll never I think it just goes we'll to just show you know. how, I think it just goes to show you how, how out of the blue this was because when I saw that I laughed at it well, and it was I, obviously, I, like I said, wrong, but on Twitter asked like, how, what's the concern level? And I said, low, and I kind of jokingly took it back today with the Homer Simpson gif walking back into the, the bushes. Right. Um, <laughs> but, well, no, because what I mentioned earlier in that he grouped him with Trey Hendrickson. 
So like they group, he grouped those, you know, all these players that left the game that he sounded optimistic about and that you wouldn't think were going to be out long term. And so it's like, so now it's like I said, I, now I think you got to ask more about Hendrickson. Like, so mm-hmm. what is day to day? Like, I mean, like we're all day to day, but I mean, like, what's your definition of day to day? You know, cause, cause I think that was a surprise and just to, um, you know, is he optimistic about Trey now or no? Because, you know, if, if him and Chase were the same category and Chase can be out six weeks, that's sort of, um, it was sort of, like great. Said, it was strange. It's sort of a strange offshoot to it that, uh, did kind of come out of, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, it was a surprising sort of development. So, Andrew, to your point, um, to clarify what I said a few minutes ago, I'm not saying I wasn't surprised at all. I was saying that, like, so I understand, yeah, the players can leave early. Sometimes they leave before we get there. But, like, normally, even when Jamar doesn't talk, like, this is just what I've seen from Jamar. Maybe this isn't the case with other players, for example, that you mentioned. But, like, he usually comes in because the cafeteria is next to the locker room. He usually walks in with some kind of food or he'll, he'll just walk in and out with his stuff. So what I'm saying is the slight kind of like where I had that ominousness I mentioned is like, you know, they had the extra rest day because of Monday night. So they have the extra day. And then like, again, he didn't even like walk through it all. He wasn't even like at the practice field at all. Whereas like Jonah Williams, he didn't practice, but he was at least there. That's what I meant by that. But I do hear what you're saying. Like, yeah, hearing the way Coach Taylor said, oh, yeah he'll be good. And, you know, like you mentioned with Trey Hendrickson, like he'll be good too. Like now I'm just like, wow, okay. So that is a good point about Trey Hendrickson. Now we have to kind of wonder the same thing about, you know, we did see Hendrickson in the locker room. He actually just was walking around, like I mentioned, where Chase wasn't. But, yeah, I do wonder that. And so, yeah, he is very forthcoming. This but is not schedule, a schedule. Just to your point, the schedules for injured player is different usually than ones that are healthy. So you're around the locker room more. Like you get treatment at different times. Uh, Leo Collins is an example. I've never seen him on a Wednesday or on a on a Wednesday in a normal week when he's not asked to practice. Right. Um, so it's like, you know, reading those things is not really the best way to determine who's injured or not because you know, guys also have you know lives and they can be excused. You know, so it's like, you know, just because they're not in a locker room from a certain time, what, you know, we're only allowed forty five minutes to an hour, and it's a very specific amount of time for specific reasons in between meetings and things like that. So. Um, you know, guys can be busy. And that's what I mean. I didn't want to read too much into it. It was just a slight thought of maybe this means something. But really, yeah, I see what you mean. I'm with you. I just didn't want you to think I was reading too far into that. But it was just something I observed. But, you know, uh, there's a point you made, Andrew, about those one-on-one matchups. Uh, that's that's going to be, you know, something that the Bengals have a hard time replicating because even Joe Burrow said himself after the Falcons game, like when these play us in man, we know who the ball's going to obviously Jamar Chase. So with T Higgins, who will basically move to the number one spot and Tyler move kind of from the slot to the number two, and then Mike Thomas slash Stanley Morgan slash Trent Taylor, and maybe they call up Trent Irwin from the practice squad just for depth. You know, for Higgins, he doesn't quite have the speed that Chase has, but where do you see the size advantage? Because Higgins is 6'4", Chase is about 6 feet. Where do you see that 4 or 5 inch height advantage at least helping Higgins to kind of make up for the big hole that Chase is leaving, at least with his speed and agility? Yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily the way that I would look at it. Um, I think that, I mean, T. Higgins is a really good receiver. Um, Tyler Boyd is a pretty good receiver too. Like, you're having T. Higgins, there are worse problems in the world than having 
T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd as your one-two punch. The thing that I am curious about is what this – I don't have the numbers offhand, so I apologize for that. But, like, I don't know what their personnel groupings have looked like statistically this year. Like, I don't know how many times they're in, you know, 11 personnel or what have you. Uh, but I would like I would venture to guess a lot. Um, one running back, one tight end, and then your trio of receivers. I wonder if this puts them more in 12 personnel where you get Joe Mixon, Hayden Hurst, and then Mitchell Wilcox onto the field, especially this week. Because you're playing the Browns, who have Miles Garrett, who have Jadavion Clowney, you might need two defensive ends. Especially, I mean, it depends on how the line holds up. Maybe you have to go to this later, but you might need two tight ends to kind of help chip there. And then you just have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd on the outside. Um, I think Hayden Hurst could line up in the slot. Um, it, it just depends on basically how much you trust a your offensive line against the two behemoths up in Cleveland and B, (laughs) how much you think Stanley Morgan and Mike Thomas can kind of handle the three and three and four receiver jobs because you're going to have to go empty again. You're going to have to go trips and on one side and you're going to need to operate. So, I mean, right. You're going to need to do that. So I'm curious to see how much, if at all, this changes, because if there was a week to do it, like if there was a week to go more 12 personnel, like I said, where you put Hurst and Wilcox and then maybe Asiasi on the field uh, in place of Wilcox or something like that, this is the week. So um, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't see the off. I mean, the offense doesn't fundamentally change Muhammad. Like if that was your question, like it's still T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, like they're still going to be there and you just rely on those guys more. I just don't know what it does to your personnel packages and your formations and things like that. One thing we should point out is that, the, I mean, you, you know, obviously you want Jamar Chase, but the Cleveland Browns injury situation is, is not a disaster as, is much too. more bad. It's they horrible. Had, they had it's 13 bad. players on the injury report on uh, Thursday. That included their Denzel three Ward. Three of their top four corners. Ward's out was out with a concussion. Greg Newsom was limited with an oblique. Greedy Williams just had an illness. But I mean, Ward, what, has missed the last two games? Yep, concussion and, protocol. And he's not out of the concussion protocol yet if he missed practice on Thursday? He's not, no. So, I mean, that makes probably him doubtful, yeah. I would imagine. I mean, that'd be yeah. a quick turnaround uh, within three days to be able to be cleared to play. Um, so, I mean, that's also a good – and not good, not good. But, I mean, if you're a Bengals fan, it's good for your team uh, <laughs> when, you know, you see the you know top corner down – uh, when you're down your top top receiver, so um, yeah, I mean, you know, not good that he has a concussion. You never want you you want him to be healthy, but um, that injury report for Cleveland, I mean, is is pretty. I mean, you'd rather, I guess, even without Chase, you'd rather have that injury report, I think, than have 13 players uh, listed and, and some of your top stars. You know, they're going to be without their top tight end too. So, I mean, it's it's pretty 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 dire. Kind of to wrap things up, uh, one point Andrew also made in the beginning when I got his reaction about the trade deadline. So the Bengals normally, for those who don't know, they don't normally do much at the trade deadline. Sometimes we've seen contracts be restructured. I know Carlos Dunlap in 2020 was traded to Seattle after he was very visibly frustrated at that point in his career with the Bengals. But normally they don't typically trade at the deadline, at least not in the last couple of years. But... Do we possibly see something happen by next Tuesday to fill that depth? 
if, if, that it, void. if it does happen, it's going to be minor. Don't expect them to go sign OBJ. Don't expect them to go trade for DJ Oh, yeah, Moore. exactly. Don't expect them to do something like that. If, if you do that, it's going to be for a depth receiver, somebody to basically just bridge that gap. Um, I know this is just Twitter talk, and I don't really want to give any credence to it, but the name that I did think was interesting was Terrace Marshall uh, from, from Carolina. Uh, has history with Joe Burrow, can probably be a three or a four, uh, which is which may be what you need here. Because, again, you need some of these receivers to play special teams as well. Um, so y- you got to figure that kind of Rubik's Cube out. Um, and I think you don't want to have your, your number three and four receivers on special teams or getting hurt on, kick, uh, on kickoff coverage or something like that. So to me, I think if you're going to see a move, it's going to be minor. Yeah, I agree with that too. I I don't like to give credence to Twitter either. I forget who put it, but someone tossed Brandon Cooks as a possible name, which I think the reasoning was he was in Miami when Zach Taylor was there as a offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. But again, with the cap space and like you said, I I just don't see it being that big if they even do anything. That's the big if. But yeah, well, because if you if you trade for Cooks, like Jamar Chase isn't dead. Like he's coming right. back. So like if, if let's say you trade for Brandon Cooks, and I know this is like extreme first world problems, and I know we're going way over, so I'm sorry. But like <laughs> it's Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Brandon Cooks. Like that is an embarrassment of riches there. But like I said, mm-hmm. then you've got to figure out who's playing special teams. Then you are you 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 Trent Taylor's gotta be active, so he because he's your punt returner. So there's right. there's five. You need, you know, Stanley Morgan and Mike Thomas, you value those guys as blockers. It, you can't make your entire offense receivers. So to me, I like, I think it's going to be a guy if they're going to bring, if they're going to bring somebody in at all, it's going to have to be a guy that you are okay with making inactive or, you know, just, I don't know, maybe you cut them. I don't, whatever it is, it, it, I don't see this as a, like a big swinging move. Like this is going to be something that's a cheaper that's a cheaper guy coming in, whether it's a rookie deal or a vet minimum or something like that, and somebody that can just kind of patch, uh, play patchwork. Yeah, I also meant to say Cooks was in L.A., not Miami. That's when Taylor was in L.A. when the Rams went to the Super Bowl. But yeah, no. But to all of that, I agree with that completely. Still a lot to unfold. We're going to see what happens in the coming days. Once we hear more from Coach Taylor and the rest of the team, we'll have more on that coming up tomorrow and throughout the weekend. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis, Mike Nisliff, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Thanks for joining in the special edition of Stripes. See you tomorrow.